Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Thank you, Lord. We've got ourselves a Bible college here in the Illinois district at Lake Williamson Christian Center. And we're excited about it. We've got 36 students this fall for our first term with students. Of course, Nate's there. You know, I went to district council two years ago and I presented on the, for the first time about called college. And right after that service, he came up to me and he said, hey, Dr. Pruitt, I'm, I'm Nate Bauer. I'm coming to call to college. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me when I looked at him and I thought, he looks so young, Lord. <laughs> the Holy Spirit said this to me. True. That's what you looked like when I called you. I grabbed him and hugged him. He surely was one of the first students to sign up. It is already out preaching this weekend. Isn't that awesome? And we've got many other options. He's going to be preaching next Friday, too, in chapel. Be our first chapel preacher. So lots of great ministry. If God is speaking to you about ministry, you need to come to Call to College and we'll train you. We're targeting 18 to 25-year-olds. We, 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 we have even apartments for a young married couple. So if you're just recently married and you feel called to ministry, Call to College has got a place for you. We can train you too. All right? So God is good. Thanks for letting me come and be with you today, Pastor Brian. It's great to be in the Lord's house. Let's look to the scripture, can we? First Peter chapter 5. I feel like the Lord has given me a message for you today. From 1 Peter 5, verse 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your care on him, for he cares for you. Lord Jesus, over these next few moments, help me to speak a word so targeted that it pierces our hearts. And we say that today is the day that we'll lay our burdens at the feet of Jesus and we'll leave them at the altar. And we'll go away free from those things. I pray it, Lord. Thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. One day, Jesus happened upon a man near the pool of Bethsaida. Now, or Bethesda. Now, I've been to this historic site in, in Jerusalem. It's actually down in the water, uh, down in the ground. They had to dig down to excavate. It had been filled in. And so you go down these terrace steps, down into it. There's a large pool area. And then around it, it's a terraced area. And so lots of people would be down there around this site. And Jesus goes into this location, and he finds a man that's been bound with an infirmity for 38 years. Now, can you imagine dealing with something for 38 years. Probably you can. You think, oh, I've been working at the same place I've been working for 38 years. Or, I've been paying on my school loan for 38 years. Or, my oldest children are 38, and it was hard all the way to right now too. You know, So lots of things we do that, that you can envision 38 years. And Jesus enters into this place, and he goes and he, I don't know how he does it, but he, he determines that there's someone there that's been there for a long time. Now, we'll come to that part of the story in just a minute. But 
the legend was in this region that an angel of the Lord would come down and stir the water. And when the angel of the Lord would do this, you'd see the ripple effect. First person that got into the water, your disease or your infirmity would be healed. Now, we're not told Jesus how Jesus knows that this man has been at this pool for so long, but he does. John chapter 5, if you want to look at the story. John chapter 5, verses 2 through 9. So the locals believe this. And Jesus probably, my guess is, goes in and says, can anyone tell me who's been here the longest? Now, wouldn't it be just like Jesus to have done that? Now, we, we're not told that in the story. So we don't know how he knows it. But it'd be like Jesus to be in this room right now and not for, look for the person that's the most popular, the most famous, person that's got the most money or they got the best smile on their face. But he'd ask, start asking around, who's suffered the longest here? That's who I want to meet. I want to meet them. And he finds this man and he asks him, do you really want to be made well? What a curious question to ask, especially of a paralytic. Now in the English, it comes across a bit sarcastic and not even critical. As if to say to this man, do you really want to be healed? Or would you rather stay lame? Can you imagine asking somebody suffering? Well, do you want to continue to deal with your addiction? (laughs) Do you want to always be ignorant as a box of rocks or would you like to learn something? You know, know how we talk to people? We always start with a zinger, right? Can you imagine when you say this though to someone's truly suffering? It's not very funny to them. But that is the way I will agree that it comes across, especially in the English. But I suspect that that's not what Jesus is asking him at all. I would say in a colloquial expression, we can read the Greek, we know what it says, but how do we translate it into our vernacular, our colloquial way of talking to people? Well, my suggestion to you is that way he says to them, is what's keeping you or preventing you from being healed? Now you're probably wondering, how do I know that? Well, because of the man's response. You see, the text provides the context here. Because the man response essentially says this, I'm slower than everyone else. Someone always gets there first. So now let me play the scenario with that thought in mind. What's keeping you from being healed? I'm slower than everyone else. Someone always beats me to it. Now apparently the assumption of the day was that only one person could be healed. First one in the pool, right? First one in the pool gets it. If that's the case, then the healing and receiving from God is a competitive event. Do you see what I mean? Who gets it first? Who deserves it more? Who's pleased Jesus more recently? Who's the most special person? It's a competitive event, you see. The second assumption is that someone might be healed or delivered, but it just won't be me. And Jesus shatters both of these assumptions with this question. Now, I suspect that most of you hearing the sound of my voice right now are essentially thinking the same thing as the people at the pool of Bethesda. You're thinking God might heal others or he might deliver some people of their habits or sins or strongholds, but not me. For some reason, you don't think you deserve to win or since you obviously have the weakest faith, right? That's what you think of yourself. That makes you slower than everyone else. Ergo, you somehow don't deserve for God to set you free. Or I suppose a few of you have lived with a physical or mental condition or even a sin or a spiritual problem. For so long, you would not even know how to envision yourself without it. You can't even, you would not even recognize yourself in a mirror if you weren't carrying around the things that you brought into this place at all. 
If that's the case, then it may be true that you are clinging to your affliction and don't really want to be made well. But again, I would argue from this story that that's not what people think. People don't walk away and say, I hope my life gets worse today. Come on, you can laugh a little, loose it up. I don't know that anybody came in to say, I, I hope God doesn't heal me or set me free. God, don't you dare. Who's walking around saying that? We're saying the same thing at the man. What's keeping you from being made well? Well, I'm slower than everybody else. Someone always beats me to it. Gallup's annual global update from 2022 reported last year that people feel unhappier and more stressed than ever before. And no doubt the exhaustion that so many feel I'm arguing is due to the fact that we carry around things we've got no business carrying around. Now, I'm not talking about the perfunctory duties that we all live with. Much of our life is, is important and essential. We're either trying to make ends meet or we're running one of our kids from school to drama practice to taekwondo or who even knows where they're supposed to be right now. Can you imagine over here in this couple? Where have you been? I just got back from dropping the girls off at the soccer field for soccer practice. Well, that's just great. What do you mean? The girls are in volleyball season. Oh, I'll be right back. <laughs> Dropped them off at the right. Have you ever taken your kids to the wrong place and then realized, oh, I forgot to turn and I'm already home. I've got to turn around and take them back. Our lives are very busy. But friends, they're not any busier now than I suspect 50 years ago or even 100 years ago. You don't think people had to work hard every day, all day long? You don't think raising a family was difficult? Raising children? Can you imagine you, you've got yourself two, Pastor, how many kids you got? Four? Five children. You almost understand what it's like to have eight to ten children. But can you imagine what it would take to raise such a family? So people have been working, people have been struggling. People, these are not the things that Jesus needs to deliver you from. In fact, you're supposed to be able to bear those without excessive trauma in your life. But the poll just tells us people are more unhappy and more stressed than ever before. Well, I'm saying it's the exhaustion that's caused by carrying around things we've got no business carrying at all. Our lives are busy and it's hard to keep it all straight, but again... We have to keep those things. We must bear those things. No, the excess magic I'm talking about is all the stuff that we carry around that we hope no one sees. Guilt, worry, anxiety, sure. Fear, of course. Not to mention all the secret sins and struggles that weigh us down. Now, we may be able to hide these things. By the way, some people are better at it than others. I'm always surprised at how long a person can be a functioning alcoholic and nobody know about it. My father developed, became an alcoholic after I was growing and out of the home. I never knew my father to drink all the years I was growing up. And we were close. But after Judy and I were married, I was home one time and I went to hug him and I could smell the alcohol emitting from his skin. He was drunk right then and had been drunk for days and I said to my mom, Mom, Dad has a problem with alcohol. No, he doesn't. I said, Mom, he's an alcoholic, full-blown. Oh, he is not. Are you sure? She'd been living with him. She doesn't know. You can hear stories of people that have been in AA and, you say, and they get up and they say, I'm an alcoholic and I, 
I struggled with alcoholism for 20 years before I finally got help. What'd you do for a living, Joe? I was an over-the-road truck driver. Boy, that's a frightening thought, isn't it? I was at a bank getting a loan, meeting with the banker. But because I had already had this experience with my father, once you recognize these signs and you know to detect them, you pick it up a lot faster around other people. And when I was sitting there at that tech, I knew that banker was drunk right then. But there he was doing my bank loan, making four times my salary. Probably very few people, if any, knew this of him. But I knew it right then. As soon as I walked in that office, shook his hand, walked away. Alcohol smell on my hand, right out of his skin. You can live with an addiction to drugs. And we're not just dealing with illicit drugs anymore. It's prescription drugs that is almost eclipsed the other kinds of addictions. But we know they're both problems. But in this very room could be people dealing with these types of things. And no one would know it. You've kept it a secret you're just better at it than some people. Now, some people, you meet them within 30 seconds, you know all their problems. Anybody know anybody like that? You start talking and here it goes. You know you're in for five minutes. You're trying to find an out because they start telling you there's no hiding their problems. They're telling you about all the baggage and all the things they're carrying around. But these things are so terribly heavy and they're bulky too. You know, we're walking in. Some of you came into church like this carrying lots of things. Wouldn't it be funny if we could see all the things people were carrying and watch some of our conversations about, hey, Joe, what are you doing? What's it look like I'm doing? I'm getting ready to run a 5K. Oh, really? Or, hey, Sue, you're all packed up and going somewhere. Where are you headed? Off to my kids' play. I have seats in the middle of row five. Uh, well, uh, how are you going to squeeze in there? What are you trying to say? I'm fat. Well, not exactly. But you should probably put some of that stuff down if you're going to get in that row. You see, for some of you, you deal with profound guilt and you're walking around it all the time. For others, you struggle is with some mental or spiritual condition. And it, 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 it nearly has the best of you, but they can't see it, right? You walk in, how you doing? Doing great. Shaking hands. What's new? Nothing's new. You know, everything's just fine. I'm about to drop my load. You may have a sin that you've not been able to overcome. And you've brought all these things into the room, friend. So to say. Or you've needed healing in your body for so long you quit coming forward for healing. I know what that's like. I have a debilitation in my left leg that, that has made it so I'll never run again. Not short of a miracle. And uh, I even have trouble. I have to use a cane if I walk very far. But the students prayed for me two weeks ago, and I can now raise my left leg higher than I've been able to raise it in years, but still not at a 90-degree angle. You know, the Spirit spoke to me when that happened. Now I want you to start exercising that thing. I felt like the man that got mud rubbed in his eyes and said, now go wash that mud off. Well, Lord, I think I'd have preferred you just heal me without the mud. Or like Naaman was told when he had leprosy, now go wash in that dirty river over there. What? Aren't there cleaner rivers back home? He asked me, if he asked you to do something hard, wouldn't you do it? So he goes and washed and he came back clean. So the Lord said to me, now start exercising that thing. We'll do this together. I said, yes, Lord. But it just starts with prayer. But I've been prayed for hundreds of times. In fact, I got to where I never asked for prayer for it anymore because I didn't want to be disappointed. Who knows what I'm talking about? You're walking around, 
with all these boxes and you're wondering, man, no wonder life is hard for you. I mean, how could you worship with this in your hands? In fact, some of us are so good at we've learned how to set it down, worship, and then pick it back up and take it home. It's always astounding to me how we can't let go of the things that keep us in bondage. But what if we were able to let these things go? Let me see if I can do this. Oh, it already feels better. Much lighter now. I think I could go all day. And the Lord says, no, let that go too. We'll see if I can do that. Yes, Lord, you're right. Let it all down. Let go of it. Oh, this is way better. Now I'm just down to this one hand-sized box. It'll be the easiest to get rid of, right? I'll just cast it away. <laughs> I'll get rid of it in a moment, folks. I kind of like this box. I kind of like what I've got tucked away in it. And the Lord says, let that thing go. I'll let it go. Use two hands. Now I'm ready, Lord. I can follow you now. Thank you for doing all that. Just, just talking me into it, Lord. I just needed to let go of some of those things. So now I'm ready to go. Hey, wait, 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 wait. What are you doing? Uh, no problem, Lord. I've got a handle on these problems. That's actually funny. Now you can laugh. I've got a handle on these problems. In fact, I've added wheels. I can just walk along. I've got my fancy walk. I'm always astounded when I read stories of plane crash survivors, especially those that have had a, their airplane crash into water. They open the doors and they shoot that inner tube kind of thing out there, you know, that fills up. And water six inches deep in the plane. They're telling people, please get out, follow the tracking, come to the nearest exit. And people get their luggage. They're in the ocean. They're in a river. They're getting their luggage. Because they can't envision their life without it. That's you right now. But it's okay, Lord. But I don't know how to get rid of it. Then just leave it behind. But how? Just leave it. It already feels better, doesn't it? What about a ball and chain? Or being bound by chains? Oh, I was hoping you hadn't noticed those. I don't talk about them, so I just hoped you didn't notice. But can Jesus free me from these also? Jesus' question to you and me is the same as to the man at the pool that day. What's keeping you from being free? The writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so many people that have gone before us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, right about now, you're asking, how do I lay aside the weights and the sins that are keeping me in bondage? Drop those boxes. Leave behind that suitcase. He can free you from your chains also, friend. How do you know? Because Jesus is right here in this room. I want the worship team to come back at least the keyboard player and one of the vocalists, whoever can come and serve. In just a moment, I'm going to have them sing a chorus and a verse as we wait on the Lord. But right now is the same as when Jesus stood up in his hometown synagogue 
And he said this, he quoted this scripture, he reads it from the scroll. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What would it be like if Jesus could set me free from the ball and chain that I carried around? You know what he says? Whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. What about those chains though, Dr. Pruitt? You're still wearing them. I know. I've had them so long, I don't know what my life would even look like without them. But Jesus is here to set us free. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. So long.